Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. And she kind of keeps this boat running. And I've totally forgot to dismiss um, the children for uh, Children's Church. So um, kids, you are now dismissed for Children's Church. I actually think you're going to be following my wife, and you guys are going to be going across the street to be outside, which is where I wish we could all be today. Um, But, you know, if you volunteered for Children's Ministry, you could be there. Um, (laughs) Just throwing it out there. (laughs) Um, <clears throat> I do want to, before I start with uh, the message, I do want to say one thing. Uh, so we had a, a wonderful guest speaker last week, um, a, a very dear sister in Christ, a dear mother in Christ. Um, so, and... Yeah, she said some things, and the and it was more just how they were. Sometimes, whenever you talk, some of your examples speak louder than your main message. And sometimes, I think some of her examples may have spoken louder than her main message. Um, you know, I do want to say that part of being part of the covenant is that we really strongly believe in the priesthood of all believers, that God is working in your life, and God is resonating and doing something in you. If you hear something from the pulpit, um, whether it's me or any guest preacher, or, or Pastor Vince or Christy, and it doesn't quite sit right, um, ask us about it. Talk to us about it. Um, we can try to clarify. Sometimes it's just a misunderstanding, like we said it wrong. Um, also, sermons are different from a class, right? You can't you don't go into all the little side trails that you can have, um, so you don't have a lot of asterisks with sermons. Um, like, so uh, it's easy sometimes to not get some of the nuance or whatever. Um, so I, I did hear some feedback um, from last week, and uh, I heard some good feedback, but I also heard some pushback as well. And I just want to acknowledge it, Okay. Um, so, um, so Jean is a, a wonderful woman of God, and I was very happy to have her, and I'm actually very happy to have her again, hopefully sometime, um, but it was her first time getting to share in front of a congregation, um, and she's shared a few times, but it's always been just, uh, primarily towards women, but to a whole congregation, it was, it's a different sort of thing, and, uh, uh I just want to say that before we get started. All right. Please join me in prayer. Holy Father, uh, thank you. Thank you for your word that speaks so much louder than we do. Lord, I pray that that your word, that your son, Jesus Christ, takes root in our lives, Lord, that fills our spirits, that he guides us to your truth. In Christ's name, amen. Now, um, I want to start with a little story. Uh, when, I, when I was in my early 20s, I, I spent, I moved here 
you know, as a teenager, to Anchorage as a teenager. But when, in my early 20s, I got tired of Anchorage, um, and I moved out of state. Um, I, I wasn't going to college then. Um, this was before I went to college, and I decided to move to Olympia, Washington. Um, I had some friends that were really into the music scene down there, which was pretty awesome, so I thought I would just go and hang up. I had some money saved up. I sold my car, and my friends here in Anchorage, they threw me a big going-away party. It was huge. Um, it was a lot of fun. I flew down, um, and then I stayed in Olympia for a week, just kind of getting acquainted with the place. And then I took a Greyhound bus across the country um, to go see a bunch of concerts. And then I um, was going to go back to Olympia and get a job and you know, do all the business of living. But while I was traveling on that Greyhound bus, all that money that I had saved and the money from my car that I sold was drained from my savings account or my checking account. Um, so there was a little mix-up with the permanent fund office here in um, Alaska, and I was supposed to turn in some paperwork to clear it up, and I didn't do that, and so they seized my account. And I was pretty sure they sent me a bunch of warnings and notifications, but I was in my early 20s and I didn't care about, you know, like, oh, that looks official, you know, and I just didn't pay attention. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, so, I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure that they did their, their part, but you know, I was irresponsible and I did not pay them any mind, or I, I was moving a lot too. Um, so I ended up having no money. And I was able to eventually make my way back to Olympia, but I didn't have any money for a car, well, which was, I was planning on buying a car. Um, I didn't have any money for an apartment um, because my friends, they were already kind of all filled up, but I didn't have the money for an apartment, so they let me stay there, and I stayed on their couch. Um, and I was able to find a job, like, right away, but I was working at a bakery, um, uh, which was fun, but the job was from 10 p.m. to a.m. And so, you know, I wanted to go down there and see a bunch of concerts and get in with all the bands, and so I was working whenever all of that stuff happened. <laughs> and it also meant I had to sleep during the day, um, and since I was on the couch, um, everybody else was up, and that wasn't fun, and so I didn't get very much sleep. And so for a few months, you know, I stuck it out, and I didn't have any money for the car, and I, I didn't have money for an apartment, and I was constantly sleep-deprived because everybody was just doing everything because I was sleeping in the living room. And I couldn't find a job with friendlier hours. You know, none of my, I was, wasn't getting hits on any of the applications I was sending out. Um, I didn't have any friends besides the ones I was living with. And if I lived with them much longer, I wasn't sure if that they were going to stay my friends. Um, <laughs> and so with my tail between my legs, I just decided to come back to Alaska. I'm going to come back home. Um, if I was going to be broken without a social life, I might as well be here, right? Uh, that's what I thought. And um, it was humiliating, but I didn't really have any place else to go. so. So I went home. And uh, this, I think this is a common experience, especially in Alaska. I, I know a lot of people that this has happened to. Um, you know, they pack off their bags to see the great big world, and the world kind of kicks their behind, and then they come back home for a bit. <laughs> and I recognize that I'm still relatively young, but, it, but it's become apparent to me 
um, that some of my dreams um, of youth probably aren't going to happen. Now, I, so you guys witnessed my guitar playing and singing. I'm probably not going to be in a famous band and go on a world tour. I mean, I can, I can barely play the guitar. And I probably won't open like a restaurant or a, a coffee shop or a bar. I mean, like even whenever I, we had the volunteer appreciation dinner last two weeks ago, last week, sometime. But, and I cooked for that. And after a day of prepping and cooking, my back was sore for two days. Okay, so I'm probably not going to jump into a restaurant and start one of those. But despite kind of all those thoughts, all those dreams fading away, God still has a plan. And we're never forgotten or abandoned. And God's love is steadfast and dependable. And I say this, tell you this story because we're about to start the book of Ruth. Um, and it's a short book, only four chapters. I will do a chapter a week. Um, but it's a short book about God redeeming and restoring a woman who has lost all hope, that has lost her dreams. And so I laid some groundwork on this a couple of weeks ago, but I'm going to follow up. So we're going to read all of Ruth 1. So get ready and get comfortable. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judea, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Amalek, and his wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. And there are Ephrites from Bethlehem and Judea. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. And after they'd lived there for about 10 years, both Malon and Kilon had died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughter-in-laws, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judea. Then Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. And then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud, and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight, then gave birth to sons. Would you wait till they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand is turned against me. At this they wept aloud again, 
Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, and Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped her urging. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the two women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem when the barley harvest was beginning. So this is the first act. And what we learn? That this was story takes place in the time of Judges. Um, this was before Israel was a kingdom. It was just a group of related tribes with no centralized government, but who all worshiped the same God. Now, there's a pattern in the book of Judges. The people, they're doing well, they abandon God. And then there's unrest in the land due to famine or infighting or general selfishness, right? There's stressors, and they fall apart. Um, other nations come in and oppress them, take them over. But then God will raise up a judge that restores their cultural or religious identity, and the people throw off the yoke of oppression. But as they gain, grow in prosperity, they forget about God again. And that cycle continues. And throughout Judges, there's a phrase that's repeated. In those days, Israel had no king. Okay, that's repeated over and over again. Okay, there's, there's no, no centralized anything. It's just everything is loose. Everybody does what they want. And as you read through the book, you can actually see, um, or you can follow, that Israel becomes worse and worse. And even the judges, like, kind of become worse and worse. Um, more unjust, more lawless, more thoughtless. Uh, the book of Judges ends with this verse. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. That's the, that's the last verse in the book of Judges. And this is actually the verse right before Ruth starts. Everybody does whatever they want. Um, place. That that's actually kind of sounds like today. Everyone does as they, they see fit. Um, everyone kind of decides, well, what's the best way? I, I worship God my own way. You know, I, 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 do, I, I just do things the way I want. And there's not much room for God in a world like that. That sort of world is cold and hard and bitter. And that's the world that Ruth and Naomi were in. Yeah. That's our world. And, and Naomi's husband, she tries to escape the famine in Israel. Um, Israel is his, his people's birthright. Okay? 
God had promised him to the descendants of Abraham, but he takes his family away from Israel. Israel is in a famine, and he leaves his birthright. And he goes to the Moabites, uh, his ancestral enemies. Um, now, Israel can trace their lineage uh, to Abraham, but uh, the Moabites, their lineage traces to Lot, um, Abraham's son-in-law. And um, the Moabites are the descendants of Lot's incestuous union with his daughters. Okay? So um, that's kind of the, the background on the Moabites. And that's where um, Naomi's husband goes. Now, eventually, Naomi's husband died. We don't know how long they were in Moab before he died. But after it died, it seemed like Naomi's sons were grown. And children, especially sons, were kind of consider, were considered blessings, signs of blessings. So Naomi had two blessings in her old age. Because if something happened to one son, she had another one, right? She had, she, she had a backup plan. Because uh, sons were to take care of their, their, their elderly parents. And Naomi's sons married Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. Now, according to... Um, the law, Israelite law, Moabites and uh, Israelites are forbidden to marry. They shouldn't marry. But in the days of Judges, Israel had no king, and everyone did as they see fit. Um, so they got married, and their marriages were fruitless. Um, neither families were blessed with children. The marriages, uh, they lasted for 10 years. But in all that time, 10 years, no kids. And I don't know if they had miscarriages or if uh, they lost them in delivery. Um, after 10 years, you kind of expect something to happen, but nothing, no live children. But then, worse happens. Naomi's son die. sons die, both of them. And in that society, uh, widows, women, they don't have any social standing. Uh, their social support is their children and their grandchildren. But of their own, they have nothing. And Naomi was blessed, right? She was blessed. She dodged, she left the famine in Israel. And so she, she moved over to this other country. And she was married, she had two sons. Then her husband died. And then her sons died, and she lost everything. Uh, Naomi, a woman who was doubly blessed, was now alone in a foreign land. And so she heard that the famine was over in Israel. Uh, she decided to go home, to and she releases her daughter-in-law. Uh, they were all legally bound together. Um, but she knows what it's like to be alone and helpless in a foreign country. So she encourages them to go home and remarry. So they're still young enough. You know, try again. You know, just, just give it another shot. Try it again. But these girls, they're good daughters-in-law. Okay, They may be Moabites, but they're good women. And they don't want to go. Um, but Naomi, she reveals that her heart had become bitter. She felt as if God was attacking her. And she says, go home. Try again. You know, you're young enough. Find another husband. Um, Snorpa. She listens to Naomi and goes home. 
but Ruth, she stays. And, uh, I mean, she really stays. And she says, I know you're going home. I know you're going home. I'm leaving. But I will give up my Moabite identity. She said she'll give up all the things that bind her to Moab, and she'll identify with Naomi. She will live as an Israelite. And, and this is actually a big clue for God's ultimate plan to unite all people under the lordship of Jesus, right? To be part, being part of the kingdom of God is, a, is about who are our allegiances to and who we obey. It's not about blood or race or ethnic background, right? So this is a big clue to that. But back to the story. Um, Ruth says she'll give up everything and she'll, she'll become like an Israelite. She'll worship your God. And Naomi, she, uh, she felt as if God gave up on her. Both Ruth, her daughter-in-law, did not. Ruth is faithful even when it seems like all hope is lost. When Naomi has nothing, when she has no future to offer to Ruth, Ruth says, I'll be faithful. And so they travel back. They travel back to Naomi's hometown, um, to Bethlehem, the house of bread, and uh, Naomi, her name means pleasant, means friendly, cheerful, all oh, that pleasant girl. That's Naomi. But she's not friendly anymore. She's not pleasant anymore. She says to call her Mara, which means bitter, because she is. She's bitter. Uh, I actually really like the way Eugene Peterson translates this passage in the message. Uh, this is verse 20 and 21. Don't call me Naomi. Call me bitter. The strong one has dealt me a bitter blow. I left here full of life, and God has brought me back with nothing but the clothes on my back. Why would you call me Naomi? God certainly doesn't. The strong one ruined me. You hear that pain in her voice? She feels like God has ruined her. Not that just that God had abandoned her, but that God had worked against her. She didn't stop believing in God. But even worse, she stopped believing in God's goodness and God's caring. And I think we all feel that way sometimes. Um, I know I feel that way. I have felt that way sometimes. And that story I told earlier, um, I felt like I had failed. Um, in some ways, even though I was working and trying, it was like nothing I did made a difference. Um, I had to apply for jobs and hear nothing. I was working shifts where I never got to meet anyone or make, make any friends or form community. And it feels like, like God was working against me. Like, how am I supposed to, to do anything here? Um, even when I first uh, got into ministry, I, I went to seminary. Um, I came, came back to Alaska because I, I, I really felt like I, God had called me to, to stay in here in Anchorage. And so I went to seminary. I came back home and... Where do you go to get a job at a church? That's kind of kind of a hard thing. And uh, so I, I worked as a teacher, but I, that just took me further away from ministry. And so I, had to, I eventually I got a job as a nighttime janitor um, so, and so I could work uh, part-time working with youth at Community Covenant, right? So sometimes it's working against you. And some, some of us will go through moments like that 
Some of us will go through days like that. Some of us will go through months like that. Some of us might even go through years like that, where it's just like nothing is working. Nothing is working. And sometimes, I mean, when we review our lives, um, sometimes it can just seem like a list of failures. Um, so of places where, where things have gone wrong. Um, because if you live for a while, there, there are going to be a lot of crashes. There's going to be a lot of bumps. And some of those are going to be harder than others. You might have lost a marriage. I know that's true for some people here. You might have lost a child. That's true for some people here too. You might have lost a job. You might have lost an idea of yourself, of who you thought you would be. You might have lost your parents. This is a time of loss. Um, in this world, we will face troubles, right? We know that hardship and troubles will come in this world. That's part of Scripture. That's going to come. Um, your heart is going to be broken in this world. Um, over and over again, your heart's going to be broken. I was recently listening to this uh, podcast called The Daily. It's, it's a news podcast. Um, and I think it's from the New York Times. I don't remember exactly what. But um, last Friday, instead of giving their regular news analysis, um, they just had people sharing stories of loved ones that had died in the past two years. Because we recently passed um, over a million deaths due to COVID-19. So instead of talking about that milestone, they just let people share about their loss. And as people shared, there was a lot of heartbreak. And there's a lot of bitterness. There's bitterness over hospital rules that wouldn't allow people to see their loved ones as they die. Um, there's bitterness because people didn't take sensible precautions. There was bitterness that they could not share their grief without being challenged. There's bitterness at political divisions. There's bitterness that the virus exists. There's bitterness that they don't know why the virus exists. And that bitterness is just like a scab, right? But underneath that bitterness, it's hiding grief. It's hiding grief. And it's okay to grieve in this world. There's a lot of things to grieve over in this world. Um, I know lots of us have lost, have experienced loss in this world. Maybe we've lost friends, we've lost family members, to drugs, to homelessness. We've missed opportunities. We've blown chances that have come our way. We have made bad choices that have affected our families. Um, we've seen and know loved ones that have been hurt, that have been abused. Maybe that's even our story. We have been hurt and abused. In this world, we will face trouble. But take heart. Stay strong. Jesus has overcome the world. He has come to bind up the brokenhearted, to lift up the oppressed, to free the captive. Now, over the next few weeks, we're going to be seeing that God has not abandoned Naomi. Right? That's the hard part about studying a story, is because you don't get to hear the whole arc in one week. But God is, does not abandon Naomi. He hasn't abandoned Naomi. 
He has not forgotten those he loves. Even, even at that time when Naomi was calling herself bitter, the Lord was at work, redeeming her story, calling out the good. He does not forget those he loves. Even if it feels like they have abandoned him, even if it feels like he's abandoned you, he has not forgotten you. He has not neglected you. Let's pray. Lord, Father, God, Lord, we thank you that you are a God who remembers us, who loves us even in our grief, Lord, who loves us even when things, times are hard, Lord, who loves us through bad choices, Lord, who loves us through mistakes, Lord God, who loves us through, through accidents, through misfortune, through calamity, God who rejoices us with us when it's time to rejoice, Lord, and who weeps with us when it is time to weep. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, and I pray that you open our hearts and open our eyes and open our ears so that we can catch glimpses, that we can catch whispers of grace in our lives of how even in the darkest parts, you're at work redeeming and restoring. In Christ's name, amen.